Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay. And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Podcast. All right, Chris, you go. <laughs> so welcome welcome to It Could Happen Here, a podcast that I think for the first time is just me and Robert. Uh-huh. This is this is the very first time that this is happening. You're 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 all here at a moment of legendary significance and historic importance. So try to try to face it with the requisite awe. That's all I ask. Yes, and, and another thing that man, this is a terrible transition. Something else mm-hmm. we're facing with requisite awe. Mm-hmm. Is uh, weird shortages of goods and price increases. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's fucking rad. I was just at the the Asian market today, um, and they did not have the snack chips that I most prefer. Oh so no! This is now officially a calamity. Um, is, we've entered crisis of, of historic proportion. Yeah, I, I think I don't think we're going to live through this one. Nope, we're we're doomed. We can't look yeah. without without the Asian snack chips, like. We're done. For it's me. the ones that are like they're like p- pieces of seaweed, but that have been temp- fried in tempura batter. Ooh, oh, that sounds completely really good. out. Tragic, absolutely tragic. Horrifying. I, I think there's a couple of things. I, I mean, you've got a script, so I'll I'll probably just let you do that in the not too distant future. But one one of the things that's frustrating to me, although maybe it shouldn't be, because I I'm probably partly responsible for this, is that this is being. Um, this is often kind of being talked about with pe- by people online as like, oh, it's a sign that like society is 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 crumbling and and what they mean by that is that like oh we we just don't have stuff like we're we're not able to like 
keep up with with demand and like the ability to produce these things is crumbling. And it's actually much more com- complex than that and a lot less rooted in a lack of specific resources and more decisions made under capitalism about how the supply chain would work. And it's, I, I don't know, I think it's important because it is, you can say it still is like a situation where this is an example of the system falling apart, but it's not falling apart because we don't have the paper to make toilet paper with. It's falling apart because decisions were made in order to increase the stock prices of companies by reducing the amount of products that they kept on hand. And that's uh, led to an incredibly fragile system that, that did nothing yeah. well but maximize profits. And, and I think, well, okay, I, I think there's, there's, there's a couple of things with that that we should talk about. Yeah. Because there, there's a lot of different explanations that are floating around for why it's happening. And I think some of them are good, but I think a lot of them are missing part of the story. Yeah. And, and I think it's important because, okay, so like, like my grandma, like called me yesterday, like, like called our family to like talk about the, 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 the supply chain problem because someone had like, she'd been like fed a conspiracy theory that like the shortages were because American dock workers like didn't want to open containers from China. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. Like, this I is, mean, this is not what's that's not right, but, but it, it's not like. If that had happened, it would be like, well, okay, yeah, that, that, yeah. that does scan, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I think, yeah, yeah, and like, I think this is, this is a moment where, yeah, you know, okay, think, think, things are not working how they're supposed to, and there's a lot of sort of competing stories about it, some of which are good, some of which are bad, and I think most of the conventional accounts, and Robert was talking about this, uh, you know, even the really good ones, they they start with sort of the the '80s Wall Street takeover of corporate America and the transformation of sort of all corporate management into an attempt to like raise short-term stock prices. Yeah. And you know, part of this is, is, is lean in production. And this is true. And this is sort of true, but this misses about half of the story. And, and the part of the story that it misses, that's really important. And I think is, is the sort of, it, it's, it's the broader like frame in which all of this is happening in is essentially the story of how the working class essentially loses the class war in the 60s and 70s. And weirdly, it's also a story about Foucault's boomerang, which, yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. This, fucking, is, this is a, this uh, is a, this Daniel, is a long, throw long... in Throw in the, the music clip that we've all decided is going to be the one we put in whenever someone talks about Foucault's boomerang. Yeah. Which is probably just going to be another time machine noise. So re- real quick. <laughs> Foucault's boomerang noise. Credit to Cody. Um, okay, continue. Brief refresher on what that is. So basically, Foucault's boomerang is that, okay, if, you, if, you, if, if, if a government does something like repressive, like technolo- repressive technique or repressive technology, like in a colony, like in a war somewhere, eventually it'll come back and be used against like the citizens of the, that country. And yeah, you know, a, a no- great example would be fingerprinting was invented for the British, like policing um, insurgents in Malaysia and is now has come back to every you know, colonizing yep. nation now uses fingerprinting, which is also deeply flawed as a technology. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and I think most people tend to think about this as ar- armored personnel carriers, but uh, we, we, mm-hmm. we'll eventually yeah. get to this. The The boomerang technology here is actually shipping containers. Hell yeah. Which have done, like, irreparable damage to the mankind. All right, all right, I'm ready for this. I don't know much about this. Hit me. All right, uh, bear with me with this because we're, 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 we're going to talk about two threads they're going to seem like they have nothing to do with supply chains, and then they're all going to tie together, and it turns out it's literally all supply chains. So, in the 60s and 70s, you have 
you know, in, in very, very broad general strokes, you have two kinds of class war. The first kind is what I'm sort of very broadly calling the war in the factories. And this is this is an enormous series of sort of strikes and outright uprisings that stretch from sort of Detroit to Turin to Tokyo. And, the, you know, the, mo- the most famous of these is the student sort of worker uprising in May 68 in France. And they, you know, they're, they're close enough taking the country that like French President Charles de Gaulle like flees in a helicopter to uh, in, in secret and Ger- like flees to Germany in secret. And, you know, and that, that, that that's like a big event, but it sort of it sort of fades. What doesn't fade is May 68 in Italy. And, you know, th- th- it doesn't fade there because Italy, Italy has been in the middle of a strike wave since 1962. 264 it's the whole 60s that basically just been strike waves there and you know they have their own 1968 and unlike in france where it peters out in italy you get the just incredibly named hot hot autumn of 69 which is yeah my favorite yeah i'll bet it was a hot autumn yeah it's it's great and so basically what happens is you get Hundreds of thousands of workers go on strike. They start seizing control of their factories. Um, and uh, most of most of this is playing out in in the Fiat factories. Uh, is, yeah, these giant car factories in Italy's industrial triangle. And you know, I mean, they're there for like they're there for a long time. They're there into like 1970, and eventually they lose. But you know, it, it, Italy is just sort of rocked by conflict and sort of class war stuff. And all of this sort of culminates in yet another enormous uprising in 1977. This one driven like in large part by people who are basically just like, fuck this. I'm not working in the factory anymore. It's awful, which which I think is something that like, you know, if, if you're looking at the modern political landscape, you have a bunch of punk people who are going like, fuck this. I'm not going to go like die in these factories anymore. And yeah, this, and those people all have. In, in a lot of cases, uh, uh, safer employing situations than many people today. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like, mean, it's starting to get worse <laughs> then, which is why people are, are frustrated, but, like, there were pensions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, and, and this, this is sort of interesting because there there's a kind of, like, Vicky Osterweil we've had on here calls it, uh, it calls it, like, the monkey's paw thing, where it's, like, people in the 70s in Italy wanted, like, autonomy and, like, freedom from work. And so what, what capitalism gave them was like, oh, we'll give you autonomy. We'll just make you all contract workers. And now, like, yeah, you don't, you don't have to, like, wake up every morning and, like, go to a job in the factory and leave at five or whatever. But now you just, you know, you're, you're a contract worker, so you just have no stability whatsoever. And that, that's your autonomy. But, you know, this, this, is, this is really bad for the Italian ruling class. Like, they almost lose control of Italy three times in ten years. And after 1977, they're just like, fuck this. And they, I mean, they, they start to start doing mass arrests. They imprison like tens of thousands of people. They torture a bunch of people. And, you know, but, but, but it becomes clear that like pure political re- repression is like not going to be enough to like just destroy the section of the working class movements that, you know, God help you thinks that you should like run production for themselves. And so they start looking elsewhere for answers. And the place they find these answers, weirdly enough, is in the second set of wars that are going on in this period, which are the, the, the sort of national liberation wars. And you know, I mean, the, these are the national liberation wars. Are, these these are full scale, like these aren't sort of metaf- like class war metaphors. These are you know, this is this is Guinea Bissau, this is Algeria, 
And, you know, importantly for, for our purposes, the U.S. fights two of them, which is Korea and Vietnam. Now, Korea and Vietnam are strategically really bad places for the U.S. to fight wars. Like, yeah. they're on the other side of the world, <laughs> which, you know, it, it, it makes it more difficult to do war crimes. Because, you know, if you're firebombing a village, right, you have to be able to move firebombs, jet fighters, and like oil and rations to the other side of the world. And this is hard. As yeah, it turns it's going to be out. a lot easier when they can commit war crimes in, like, I don't know, Duluth. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, even, even like, you know, you, you, you got to commit a war crime in Mexico. It's like, okay, you, you just send a bunch of people over the border. Oh, it'd right? be so but, easy to commit war crimes in Mexico. Yeah. We and, could and really, really up our war crime quotient. Well, I, we, I would say we do do a lot of war crimes in Mexico. It's just that, like, yeah, they're done basically by do. proxies. That's true. Like, but, I mean, yeah. we've killed, like, We've killed like a million people there in the last like 20 years in the war on drugs. But yeah, you know, so the U.S., you know, the U.S., okay, so it has this logistics problem. And the logistics problem is that it can't do war crimes enough. And so it comes up with a couple of solutions to them. Uh, one of them is essentially they, they rebuild the whole Japanese economy in order to just use Japan's industrial base to fight the war in Korea. And then after the war in Korea ends, they rebuild the South Korean economy in order to, you know, fight the war in Vietnam. And this works, but it doesn't solve the problem that, you know, okay, even, even, even if you're, you know, you're, you, you have an industrial base in Japan, right? You still need to be able to efficiently move things by sea to Korea. And, you know, you still need, there's still supplies you need to move from the U.S. And so the solution for this is containerized shipping. And containerized shipping, this is the pivot point upon which... The entire history of the 20th century and everything that's happened in the 21st century hinges on like this. This is the pivot. And I, you know, like I'm not even this isn't even really an exaggeration because it turns out that like the ability to have uniform boxes that you can stack on top of each other like Legos and put on a ship is like. Like it's like comparable to the nuclear bomb in, in, in terms of how important it is. Which is a really yeah, weird we thing used to, to say. The only way to get things from A to B was a big wooden ship filled with doubloons, like pile bags and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how did we like global commerce work before shipping containers? What did we? What did we? I mean, you literally like you just like sometimes. Sometimes you would just like physically like people would just pick up the items and put them on the ship, <laughs> or they would like sometimes they put them in boxes, or like you would like strap them to like the top of the ship. And so with, with, with uh, uh, trains a lot, they would just like strap like machinery like onto a train car. And this was like not, this is like really inefficient. It's really slow. Yeah. yeah. And so the US, in order to like do war crimes in Korea, and then, it, you know, it's just like, oh, hey, what if we just make metal boxes? And then they get, they progressively get better and better at it because, you know, they have to go do more war crimes in, in Vietnam. And, but by the time you're getting to the end, time. yeah, yeah, you know, look, lots of war crimes to do. You need, you need good logistics networks to do all of these war crimes. I mean, and, it makes sense that that's where we got shipping containers, but I didn't realize, I, I had just assumed it would have come out of the shipping industry as opposed to, like, we got to get more missiles over to these places. Yeah, well, this is the interesting thing. We'll get to this in a bit, but basically, like, a lot of the logistics revolution stuff either comes out of the military or is developed by ex-fascists. And, and, and a lot of the reason for this is, okay, I mean, this is, you know, the 60s and 70s, 
there's still R&D happening. Like, there's still actual research and development, but the military is doing an, just an enormous amount of the research and development for just all of global capitalism. And, you know, and, and the, the other thing that's what's happening here, and the, you know, this, this is the sort of Foucault's boomerang thing, is that, you know, so the containerized shipping logistics stuff that had been used to just, like, obliterate the global south suddenly start spreading into capital, like, you know, just into, like, broader shipping, because people look at this and they're like, oh, this is efficient, and then the contracting companies the U.S. is using. This turns into the solution to both, sort of, the war in the factories I was talking about in, in, in Europe and the U.S. and in, like, Japan itself, and then also to the solution of the national liberation movements and, sort of, like, communism in East Asia. Because, you know, okay, so you, you have this question, right? The, the U.S., like, we kind of fight to a draw in Korea. Like, we kill an enormous number of people, but... Yeah, about know, 20% it, of the North Korean yeah, population. Yeah, and like, yeah. But we don't really win, right? Like, we, we, we can't actually defeat the Chinese army. And, or Yeah, and, and, you know, and we lose Vietnam. And so the mm. question is, okay, so like, how, how are we going to stop communism? And the answer, it turns out, is to just integrate, integrate the communist countries into the capitalist supply chain. And I mean, there, there's a lot of examples of this. Like Margaret Thatcher, for example, is like very good buddies with Nikolai Ceausescu. Aw, that's nice. It's yeah, nice it's that great. they could be friends despite their the fact that they, uh, well, I guess they weren't really that different as people. No, not honest. really. Like, bas- yeah. bas- basically the difference is that Ceausescu lost and thus got like murdered on state television he and sure Margaret did. Thatcher he won got and shit murdered out got of a him. state funeral. Yeah, she should have yeah. gotten the Ceausescu yeah. treatment. That's yeah. my official stance. They should have Ceausescu. Yes. For stuff we will talk about in a bit. But yeah. yes, but you know, the, the, the archetypal example of this is actually China. And, you know, the, the, there's a lot of very sort of skilled diplomatic work by Kissinger. And also the US, like throughout the 70s, just like they're just like sending entire factories to China. Like, like, they'll, like they'll, they'll, they'll take an entire factory, break it down, put it in boxes, and then just like ship it to China. Great. It's a time. And yeah, yeah so, so yeah, they're, they're just like sending technology to China. And mm-hmm. the end result of this is that, you know, China goes from like fighting American troops with like, like doing bayonet charges, like through yeah, their like own mass artillery. human wave shit. Like, yeah, was, yeah. Uh, against uh, nightmare. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, to, to, you know, being an American ally in like invading Vietnam as a way mm-hmm. to like stick it to the Soviets, basically. And so, you know, so the U.S. essentially just integrates China into the global supply chain. And they eventually they do the same thing to Vietnam, which, again, is another country that they, they couldn't defeat militarily. But what they, you know, what they actually beat them with, it's a shipping container. Yep. And before the shipping container, this would have been impossible, right? Like, basically, it was too inefficient and too expensive. Like, the, the cost of shipping was too high to have all of this production, you know, like some half your parts made in China, some of them made in India, some of them made in, like, Japan, some of them made in Korea, and then shipped them all around the world which is how the modern system works. But with, with containerized shipping, suddenly shipping is really cheap. And it becomes much cheaper to pay shipping costs than it is to pay labor costs. And this is the solution to, to the sort of war in the factories. You know, if, if workers start making too much noise about pay or like, again, God forbid, start talking about like taking control of factories and running them democratically like some kind of anarchist monsters, corporations can just move the factories overseas. And this becomes an incredibly effective way to just destroy the labor movement because anytime, you know, organized labor starts making demands, you can be like, well, okay, sorry, we're just going to pack up and we're going to, you know, we're going to go to China, we're going to go to somewhere else. 
And this coincides with, you know, the, the, thing, the thing that gets talked about a lot in the conventional accounts, which is the Wall Street sort of corporate takeover. Well, the, the Wall Street takeover of corporate America, which is something I think that sounds really weird to us now. But, you know, I, I, the, the, whole, the whole story here is really interesting and extremely long. And if, if you want to, like, have a very detailed account of, of how this all played out, uh, the book Liquidated by Karen Ho is in, just incredible, uh, like, ethnography and history of, of Wall Street. She, like, yeah, she's, uh, Karen Ho's an anthropologist, and she, like, went and worked on Wall Street and, like, did ethnography there for a bit. And it's just very interesting stuff. But it's, it's kind of outside of our scope. So the, 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 the very, very, very short version is that the Wall Street bankers basically figure out a way to just, like, buy out corporations to like raise a bunch of money and just entirely buy out corporations and then once they have the corporation right what 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 they you know is this is corporate rating so they 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 loot all the assets they sell it off and they try to sell off their stock at a higher price the process of this is sort of complicated but the, the net result of this is that wall street completely takes over the corporate world in a way they hadn't before like the, the wall street's the wall street like finance people are now you know they're the, they're the people making all the decisions and you know, and and their their only goal is to raise the stock price. Like that's that's the only thing they care about. They they don't they don't even care about making money, right? If if you lose money and your stock price still rises, like you don't care. And those guys start looking at a lot of the things that had existed in corporations before that, things like pensions, uh, particularly things like research and development. And they look at it and go, okay, why are we spending money on R and D? Like this this doesn't this doesn't raise our stock price. This doesn't have any immediate short term value. So they cut it. Right, they start cutting pensions. They start essentially just destroying the unions, and you know, and and because this is happening at the same time as corporations really like get the ability to outsource for the first time, you know, they 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 lean into it and they start essentially just just slashing the amount of people who work for the company, right? And so Mm -hmm. you know, and so instead of having direct employees, they they start working with contractors and they start moving the contractors overseas, and you know, and this this is where we get to sort of th- this whole outsourcing wave because you know something I I don't think is talked about enough with outsourcing is why actually are the labor costs lower in the countries that these people are are moving their factories to, mm-hmm. and part of it is you know people talk about development like they're moving to undeveloped countries. And you know, part of, part of part of development is just you know how much technological capacity their manufacturing system has, right? And that you know, but but the other part of it is that if you move your production to say Colombia, right, or like you know you're investing in sort of like cocoa bean farming in Colombia, and people try to do union organizing, you can hire death squads to murder them. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, it's like it, you can basically just sort of like you you can you can outsource the violence, and you can you can you know. The, the the corporate term for it is reducing labor costs, but really what you're doing is just like murdering people with death squads and terrorizing them. Mm-hmm. And you know that that does lower labor costs, right? But you know, and, and I think there's there's another example of this. Like this is a lot of what like the killing at Tiananmen was really about. It was you know it, not so much in Tiananmen Square itself. No, I've talked about this elsewhere, but like the workers that they kill outside of the square. Like a, a lot of the reason they're doing yeah, this. I know very little about Tiananmen Square other than like protesters, China government bad. The guy stands up to tank and then yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah. I, I've, I've talked about this 
else are more like the, 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 the very short version is so there's a bunch of students in the square right and the students in the square itself, like, basically, they, they kind of want democracy. Mostly they want, like, market reforms to go faster. But then outside of the square, you know, like, Beijing's, like, whole working class shows up. And there's these enormous demonstrations. They, they, they basically start, like, like barricading, like, blocks and blocks and blocks and, like, this radius outside of the street. And you get this sort of, like, mini-commune thing. And those guys are, like... You know, like they're 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 advocating for democracy in the factory. Like they're you know they're they're talking about things like like I mean, they're, they're like you know they 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 have their like marks out and they're talking about how like they're 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 calculating the rate of surplus value that's being extracted from them by the capitalists. And those are the people like the, almost everyone who dies at Tiananmen is is from those guys. Like those are the people that they just get massacred. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and the, the reason that happens is that the CCP is looking at this and is like, okay, this, this is, this is like, this, this is sort of, this is the return of organized labor and we need to destroy it before it like gets anywhere. And so they do and organized labor in China just implode. I mean, it, it, it was already pretty weak because you have a lot of state controlled unions, but I mean, now it's just nothing. And, you know, and, and, and there, I mean, there, there have been attempts to do labor organizing in China sort of recently. And like, yeah, this used to be just arrest everyone. Right. And so, you know, this, this, this is how you, this is, this is the price of cheap labor. Right. It's just incredible state repression. But this is also, you know, and, and this is, this is a sort of like macro scale thing of why the supply chains suck. Because everyone talks about like the efficiency of the supply chains, but the supply chains aren't efficient. They make no sense. Right. If, 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 if what you're trying to do is move something quickly from point A to point B. They make no sense because, you know, these supply chains are spread all over the world. Like in, in indivi- individual parts are being made in six countries, right? You have like people will like for tax dodge purposes, like they'll have one part of a component built in one country and then they'll move it to another country to have mm-hmm. another part of it. And then they'll ship all of it to Mexico and then they'll ship it across the border and they'll have the whole thing be assembled in the US so they can say it was made in the US. Like there's, there's all of these things that are, just, just nonsense, right? They're, they're not, they're not efficient at all. It's, it's completely ridiculous. It's, it's this, just, you know, it's just completely absurd web. And, and the, the, the reason why it's designed like this is as, as a giant sort of counterinsurgency thing. Like the, 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 the reason, the reason supply chains are, are just bad is because they're, you know, they, 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 they're not designed to move things. They, they're designed as an instrument to just like solve the problem of, 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 of class power. Right, they're 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 designed to destroy unions. They're designed to make sure that nobody ever sort of like gets any ideas about wages. To make sure nobody gets any ideas about like taking anything. And so, you know, but and, and this 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 can work for a while. The problem is again, like they're, they're not efficient. Like it, it's it just it just it is not efficient to like move have everything made in like six countries and then you have to assemble yeah. them somewhere else. Yeah, and so. You know, in, in, it's in order- efficient in the sense that it efficiently maximizes the value of stock prices for like stock buybacks and stuff, and that's generally what is meant by like efficiency. Yeah, in yeah. that sense, is like what makes the seventy people who actually own this company the most money. That's the efficient yeah. thing, but it, yeah, it's horribly it's- inefficient in every practical sense of the word. Yep, and and, and th- this is kind of an interesting change because I mean, you know, it, this isn't to say that like the supply chains that worked before this were like better because they also sucked in a lot of their own ways but all of the like efficiency stuff that we're about to talk about like just just in time production etc cetera, etc cetera, like you know what isn't produced just in time 
Sorry. That but it is an ad break time. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're not produced just in time anymore because the supply chain's falling apart. It's our sponsors. Yeah, that's, that's, that is our promise about our sponsors is that uh, they're, they're not at all in time. Who knows when they'll get your products to you? There's no way to tell. It's impossible yep. to know. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X. Visit TomboyX.com. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of... dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. We're back. Yeah, we're back to talk about how you know having having developed an entire network of extremely inefficient supply chains that just absolutely suck and don't make any sense uh people tried to make them efficient and this this is where we go back to japan because japan 
you know, I guess this is this is this is the other Foucault's boomerang, which is that you know, okay, so we 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 industrialized Japan in order to like fight our colonial wars, right? But then you know, th- this turns into this huge like Pikachu face moment when Japan suddenly starts like industrializing more efficiently than the U.S. does. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's very funny. And then Michael yeah. Crichton writes a bunch of books that are the premise of all of them is Japan's scary. Yeah, it's, it's, very it's really funny. funny. Yeah, and, you know, like it's just interesting. It's another, it's another interesting thing here, which is that like all of the panic around China, there was exactly the same panic like around Japan in the in the like the seventies and eighties. It's exactly the same. Like right down to like a bunch of socialists going like, "Hey, look, this this is a model for anti capitalism." Like people people said that about the Japanese model, and it's like it's it's all it's all the same thing. It's just it's just happening again. But you know what 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 type what what Japan did and specifically what toyota does is create this thing called the toyota production system which eventually becomes known as just-in-time production and this if if you've read anything about sort of the modern supply chain problems you've almost certainly heard of just-in-time production or or lean production and just-in-time and lean production are technically different but the differences don't matter for us so yeah and and this, this stuff is derived from what toyota was sort of doing in the post-war era and basically the goal of it is you're you're never supposed to have any inventory that's just sitting there mm-hmm. so that the whole system is supposed to be constantly the whole system is supposed to be constantly in motion so you have parts come in they get put into the immediately get put into the production line and the finished products immediately shipped out to the stores and you know the theory is that the stores are only going to carry exactly enough product to meet demand, and, and it's supposed to be quote unquote flexible, which means that it can like react to shifts in consumer taste and demand by like increasing or decreasing production, and it can't do this. This is what we've been seeing for the entirety of COVID, which is that you know th- this this is why every time there's a run on toilet paper, everyone runs out of toilet paper because mm-hmm. it turns out that these systems can't. Even a ten percent increase just completely obliterates this entire system, and it just collapses and can't produce enough toilet paper. Yeah, and again, just because it's expensive to store things, it's pricey. This is a big part of like why actually the John Deere strike, which has the potential to disrupt the status quo more than more than any strike in in recent history, um, is so potent because John Deere tractors are kind of a necessary part of the agricultural industry, not just their ability to sell new tractors, but their ability to repair the extant tractors. Uh, Like if harvest season comes around and there's not spare parts to repair tractors that break, like food doesn't get harvested. It's a significant issue. John Deere, we'll talk more about this at another date, but like not only did the most that they could do to squeeze their employees, to suck out pensions, to cut, you know, uh, expenditures on wages, but they they set up their factories in such a way that there was no extra space. So they could not scale up any of these factories to increase demand when they needed to. So that now that John Deere is going on strike, if they lose a month of productivity, they can't ever catch up. It's impossible because they can't actually expand the productive capacity of their factories. And the, because the strike is hitting, they didn't have any extra spare parts lying around. So if yep. shit gets broken, they can't manufacture the parts necessary to keep – tractors functioning in a lot of american farms because they didn't store anything because that was not the most efficient thing for the economic bottom line of the ceo who gets 160 million dollars a year yeah and Um, and this anyway this is this is the funny part about this whole thing which is that you know okay so this whole supply chain system was based around just like destroying destroying the organized working class right but it's like they, they, they were so successful at it that they've like turned around and fucked themselves with it 
Because, like, you know, this, this is this is the thing about about, about the John Deere strike, right? It, it used to be, you know, back back back. If you look at like like how how the unions were broken in the eighties, or like if you look at like the, the giant like auto strikes you'd have in the seventies, right? And, and companies still do this to this day, but like they're worse at it. The thing they would do is so okay. So you 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 know if you're a company, you know roughly when a strike is going to happen, right? And the the reason you know when a strike is going to happen is because in the U.S., like the way labor law works, is that like you you can you can basically only strike like when a contract is up. I mean, you can do wildcats, but it's illegal. But you know, okay, so they 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 knew that the auto unions, for example, were about to go were going to go on strike when when the contract like was was coming up, and you know they'd have spies, and you can get a sense of like you know, okay, so are are, are how likely are they to to do this strike and. You know, so so that 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 lets you do things like build up an enormous sort of inventory of spare parts. It, it lets you build up an inventory of supplies, and it lets you build up, you know, it, it basically it lets you build up the capacity you need to outlast the strike. But the problem with just in time is they can't do that anymore because, yeah, yeah they, they've they've you know they they've completely fucked themselves by by they, yeah, they, and in the John yeah. Deere situation because they hadn't strike the workers hadn't gone on strike since eighty six. Yeah, they'd been putting funds into their strike survival fund for years but the company had nothing like has yeah nothing. um it's rad yeah. and and this is you know this this is the other part of 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 why everything like good that's happening right now is happening is that they 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 in you know that we it, 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 everything has circled back around and suddenly all of these companies are you know weak are incredibly vulnerable to strikes again because yeah as you're talking about the, the just-in-time production thing it only works if if everything actually comes in on time, right? Like if, if, if any, if any individual part is late, the whole system starts to fall apart and then, and then you can't repair it. And yeah, you know, and there, there's, there's a lot of ways that, that this, this, this can be very bad. Um, you know, we've talked about the John Deere, we've talked about the labor stuff. Uh, the other big thing that's happening is COVID, which has happened and continues to happen and has killed off just enormous parts of the working class. I mean, it's like, four million dead worldwide or something and, and again that that's also probably an undercount because that's just direct oh, yeah. that's not like yeah. yeah it's probably like twice that I mean, it's, it's i mean we're looking at a minimum of seven hundred and twenty-five thousand in the u.s and again yeah. that's probably a million undercounted at least yeah it's it's a horror show right and and the, the people they killed with that you know like it's especially in the initial phases like it was just it was just they, they, they took a chain chainsaw to the working class and those are a bunch of people who, you know, they're they're not replaceable. They're they're very highly skilled, and they do a bunch of jobs that absolutely suck. And now, you know, and one one of one of the places that this this has caused a bunch of problems is is in the ports because this, this every, the other thing that this entire supply chain relies on is being able to very quickly and cheaply move parts from you know China to the U.S., from China to Mexico, from like Bangladesh to like Somalia you you have you have you have to be able to continuously like keep moving stuff around in in you know you have to continuously keep moving ships around and you also have to be able to load and unload them and we you know we 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 saw like there there was the the that when that ship got stuck in the Suez there is that whole yeah. Yeah, that, you know that 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 was yeah. A whole sex asses were uh were people couldn't get sex asses because the the yeah. world's supply of sex asses for months was on that one ship. Um, it was a real crisis for the sex ass community. Those are plastic asses that you have sex with. If you're curious, 
yeah, it's... <sighs> the, the, the world appears as an immense collection of commodities, some of which are sex asses. <laughs> yeah, most of which, in terms of the ones that matter, are sex asses. Yes. You the know, sex yeah. ass industrial complex is really the linchpin of global capital, but please continue. Yeah, well, you know, the sex ass industrial complex falls apart. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not just the, the ship being stuck in the Suez, like, made everything way worse, right? But <laughs> And was very funny. Yeah, it was, it was extremely funny. It but, was you know, extremely the, funny. <laughs> the, the, the part, the thing that's, like, not very funny is that, like, okay, so in, in order to get any of this to work, right, you have to have a bunch of longshoremen who yeah. have to unload all of this shit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of, one of the problems that is, that is happening in the, in the sort of global supply chain right now is that the ships can't be unloaded fast enough. And part of this is like this job sucks, and people just a lot of people don't want to do it. A lot of people died. Yeah, and in the yeah, and it's what? causing this huge problem. Mm-hmm. And and there's and there's there's another you know if if you want to take like the, the macro perspective about this, it's that this whole system is reliant on logistics workers, and so it also needs you know you need truck drivers. And we're coming back, and you know in in the U.S. is like there's yeah you know there's there's a shortage of truck drivers now because again their job sucks and they've been like just absolutely screwing these people over for decades and decades and decades now and turning them into subcontractors and just not paying them and you know and and this and when you know when the when the port shut down like not even shut down but like when the, when the ports are behind unloading stuff and when the trucks like that are supposed to be moving this stuff there aren't enough of them and like the the cost of that increases it, it throws off the whole system and th- that's that's another big part of like why this whole thing is is sort of imploding and and it's interesting because i remember this there was like a decade where like every other article would be talking about how uh they were going to like automate like truck driving and it was like ah the truck drivers are all going to go out of business because they're going to automate it just never happened at all and the same thing with with there you know there's i mean there's been some port automation but like not in the scale that you know actually does anything and part of the reason for that is you know i was talking about people not investing in research and developments. Yeah, so the biggest people who aren't doing that are the shipping companies. And that's a good time because the shipping company, basically like container shipping has been taken over by what's essentially just like a monopoly of two companies. And those two companies make just an indescribable amount of money. They have like a thousand percent profits and they just pay it all out as dividends. And so they're not, you know, they're not investing in any port infrastructure. They're not investing in automation. They're just, pocketing the money and that means that you know we have all this and they're, like, sen- they're spending in in the case of john deere which i keep going back to a bunch of money lobbying to make it illegal for farmers to repair uh their tractors yeah yeah they're they're you know they they, they figured they figured out that like the, the the easiest way to make money is just get the state to shake people down for you mm-hmm. it's like ah eh, fuck like investing in in making anything that we have better let's just you know like let, let's just turn the state into a debt collector and and it's interesting because so th- this this is the part of of the supply chain crisis that like Biden's been focusing on. But Biden's plan, Biden's plan's great. Biden's plan is literally make the longshoremen work harder. So his plan is uh and There we go. There we go. There we go. Building back better, baby. Yeah, we're we're going to we're going to make we're going to keep the ports open uh 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And like make people work weekends now, and then he also got uh, FedEx, Walmart, uh, and UPS to do twenty four hour, seven day a week shipping. 
So yeah, the, the solution is literally just like feed more workers into a grinder and make them work longer, which is which is great, and and mm-hmm. you know w- will not in any way backfire. No, it's fine. I don't even yeah. think we should be talking about it. No, it's great. It's gonna. It's it's yeah. It's you know. But again, like this is the thing. Like this won't work, and like it can't. And the reason it won't work is that like part of the reason there's a shortage is that you know. It's 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 not it's not just about the like the fact that people aren't paying enough. It's about the fact that these jobs are just awful. Like you you have people you have people working like twelve hour shifts that start at like six a.m. and then mm-hmm. they have to wake another twelve hour shift eight hours later. And they just keep having to do this over and over and over again. And it's well, and they like, don't like the way that these shifts are usually put on them is that like you'll find out when you come in that instead of working six a.m. to to 4 p.m. or whatever, they're actually going to need you to stay until 8, and then they're going to need you to come in. By the way, you're going to need to come in like two hours early tomorrow, so you realize that like in between your two shifts, you have a total of eight hours to get home and sleep. And if you say no, uh, uh, well, the idea is that if you say no, like you won't have the job. It's required. Uh, Now, the reality is that most of these companies are also pretty desperate to have these workers, and a lot of these manufacturing and packing Firms, it takes time to train people up, and then they quit a couple of weeks in because the work is is miserable and the schedule is fucking miserable. Yep. Um, and it's yeah, it's all it's 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 simultaneously like deeply inhuman, but also is leading to a situation. There's a reason why there's so many strikes on right now is that there is opportunity because in sort of the chasing of short term profits, a lot of these fucking oligarchs have uh, exposed themselves in a in a pretty vulnerable position. Yeah, and and I, and I think, you know, th- this this is coming back to a sort of the 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 other way that when when there was a crisis in in the sixties seventies, the other way they solved this was just authoritarianism, right? It was you know is this is the Pinochet solution, right? Like oh, like workers are using control compromise. Okay, we'll just shoot them, mm-hmm. right? And, oh and no, this, we're out of workers. Yeah, and yeah, and this is you know they're they're finally running into a point where. You know, the, uh, this is this is the solution they've been trying to do now with 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 this crisis is, you know, it, they the they're, they're relying on the fact that just the workplace is just indescribably authoritarian. I mean, it's it's like it's 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 a dictatorship on a scale that is like like even to like the most despotic absolute monarch is just like unimaginable. Like your boss gets to control like when you shit. Like they get to control when you eat. They get to control exactly what you're doing, like at all times. They get to control when you do it. They get to control, like when the next time you're going to do it is. They don't even have to tell you when it's going to be until like you show up. And you know, for the this is this is this has been the the gamble, for for you know capitalism's entire existence, which is that like you just have to take this and eat shit, or they get to take away your ability to eat, get medical care, and have a place to leave to live. Mm-hmm. That's not true anymore. Like you can just say no. You can tell them to fuck off. You can you you know you can you can you can organize a union. You can just fucking just leave your job. Like just leave it. Fuck it. Walk out. Yeah, this is why we focus. I mean, this is number one why within the context of unions, strike funds are so important. But also why mutual aid is so important is it 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 potentially when organized well enough provides people with the option to. Like, well, how are you going to feed yourself? Well, there's people in my community who want to make sure yep. that I'm fed because they believe in what I'm striking for. Um, that's yeah, the and, promise and, of all of that. That's the practical behind the kind of uh, uh, high-minded, you know, anarchist 
of, of just, you know, whatever, theorizing is the ability that like, well, this actually is a weapon too. Yeah, and I think... You know what else is a weapon, Chris? Our product? I hope we're not being sponsored Some of them. I hope we are, Chris. Yeah. Look, look, I've I've said before, for weapons, I'll read any ad for a weapons manufacturer as long as they send me some weapons. So come on, guys. Get on it. You could uh you could be you could be in the middle of this conversation, Raytheon. You know, send me a couple of missile guidance chips. Lockheed Martin, you know, you, you want to give me an F thirty five, uh we'll uh we'll plug you, you know? That's 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 the deal. That's how it works, baby. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. (sighs) Good one, Dad. Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. 
All right, we're back. Hopefully, hopefully you have now heard the advertisement for Knife Missile 2, Knife Missile Harder, now with like mm-hmm. five knives, a thing and that I am not I'm making up and to... actually exists. Yeah, no, people keep being surprised that the R9X is a real thing. And yeah, but there's another one. Is. There's, 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 there's one now. with yeah. more knives. They, they put more knives. Well, yeah, what are you, you're not going to, look, again, you can't, it's like with Apple products, right? For, planned obsolescence is critical. You have to, you can't just rest on your laurels. You're going to run out of money. So you got to make another knife missile with a couple of more knives. Yeah, just keep keep adding knives. Nothing can ever go wrong. Mm-hmm. Do not ask any questions about why you're developing knife yep. missiles. Please in the do first send place. me one. Send me one and like a drone or three. Swear to God, I'll use it for legal purposes. <laughs> yeah. So I guess the, the the last thing that I that that's really interesting about this moment that doesn't usually happen. Is that, you know, okay, so if, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you, you read your very basic Marx, right, one of the things Marx talks about is that there's this thing called the Reserve Army of Labor, which is it's just like, you know, there's a bunch of people who are just always unemployed, mm-hmm. and they, 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 they get along by doing sort of like odd jobs, or like, you know, I, I, like my, my, my quintessential person for this is like, if you ever go on a subway, there's, you know, it's, it's, it's the guy selling candy bars in the subway. Yeah, right. it's people who quasi legal, you know, sometimes yeah, outright yeah. illegal. They're just kind of like doing whatever, you know. Yeah, immigrants, been, we call them in yep. in the West Coast. You have a lot of those, like yeah, people yeah. who trim marijuana for a couple of months and then just kind of like <laughs> crash in, you know, campsites the rest of the year or whatever. Like, yeah. yeah, there's a bunch of those folks for sure. Yeah, and you know, and like the 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 number of these people who've been just like kicked out of like the formal labor system has been increasing for a long time. But what's interesting about this moment is that, you know, every every strike you see has a second strike behind it. And that strike mm-hmm. is 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 the informal general strike, which is just again, people just quitting their jobs and leaving. And and you have this weird moment where where normally the sort of the reserve army of labor is this thing that like capitalism can always sort of rely on as a way to sort of solve its problems. Because it's like, oh, well, all right, if if you're not gonna do this job, we can bring another person. But you know, this this is a weird moment where like the reserve army of labor is like fighting on our side Mm -hmm. and the 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 fact that all of these people are just like you know they're they're seeing the just incredible authoritarianism of these workplaces the just horrific abuse the fact that you know they're they're being in a lot of cases just asked to show up and die and they're saying no is, is is a really sort of is a really incredibly powerful thing and and when 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 you add that to the fact that you know all these companies have completely screwed themselves with how they design the supply chains or it's it's all it's all come back around and suddenly all all the supply chain stuff that they'd carefully laid out over decades and decades and decades is a way to just like break the union movement and make sure nobody ever asks for more wages you know it's 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 been revealed to be incredibly fragile and you know weak to our attack and that leads us i think to this other tension in in Biden's plan to sort of like revive the economy, which is that so the U.S. technically speaking has this like very large central planning capability, but it only has it to like build weapons. So you know, like mm-hmm. the, the 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 army has this incredible ability. Like there, there there's we make like a, certain a lot number. of bullets. You know, despite yeah, yeah. the huge stress on the bullet supply chain, it really has scaled. You know, the prices have increased, but uh. We're we're still 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 getting bullets. Uh, yeah. America's great at making bullets. 
Yeah, it's less it's, great yeah. at keeping tractors working, but yeah, that won't well, ever it, be a problem. Yeah, then you like even if you remember at the beginning of the pandemic, it was like the U.S. just couldn't produce masks. Like mm-hmm. we 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 never we never like did that, right? Like the, like the government never at any point was like we're just going to make masks and give them to people. Like they just, they just never did it. And so you know our mass supply chain, all those supply chains suck. And the only way that like the states can intervene and get the supply chains to work is by doing one of two things. It's by either doing a thing Biden was doing, which is just go to a bunch of companies and tell them to make all of their workers work harder, which is the thing that like you know totally won't backfire or explode in his face. And then the second thing is for Biden basically to like do all this saber rattling about how we have to have like medical supply chains in the US because national defense or something. And that's the second thing he's trying to do, but you know that just that just makes the problem worse, right? Because once you once you lose the ability to outsource, you you lose the hammer you've been beating the unions with. And so, you know, all all of the sort of all all, all of the tendencies that are, you know, making things like bad and scary right now are also weirdly making this you know the 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 fact that prices are rising right the the fact that there's all these shortages it's 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 making this like the best moment to you know it's 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 making this the best moment that and that anyone's had in ages to actually try to make something better yeah and 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 the unfortunate thing is we're we're starting to see it happen, and yeah, and we're 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 gonna talk more about striketober and sort of the strike wave in the coming, you know, weeks and months. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be hitting this pretty hard even just next week. Um, we have a yeah. lot of stuff in the pipeline. Kind of wish we'd gotten to it earlier, but there's a lot of stuff to talk about in the world yeah. happening that that's within our milieu. It turns out when you're when you're specific focus is things falling apart uh you're always behind on covering all of the things that are falling yep. apart <laughs> but i think it is a good time to 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 drive this to a close to drag this episode out behind the farm the barn and 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 shoot it and bury it in a shallow grave and and break its bones with a hammer so that the police can't identify it chris um thank you for for putting this together uh got anything anything else to say uh, quit your job, and you or you and or unionize your workplace and or take it over and run it yourselves because Lord knows the people who are telling you what to do just literally do not care if you die. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, with with that. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. I was just gonna. Uh, uh, uh I don't know what I was gonna do, Chris. I, I don't know <laughs> what I was gonna do. Do do go go do something. You know, you're you're yeah. listening to things. Go do something. Yeah, and and yeah, and and if you want to listen to us do more things, we are allegedly allegedly we 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 are at Cool Zone Media on on the Twitter and and the Instagram. You can't prove that in court. It's true. Good luck. Good luck to them trying to prove that we did this. Yeah, that's right, motherfuckers. All right, bye. What Happened Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. 
Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X. Visit TomboyX.com. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay. And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.